is the Go Blue Crew. Welcome into the Go Blue Crew. I'm Tyler Fenwick, and on the other mic is Derek Devine. And Derek, I was thinking today uh, we've seen each other three times in our lives, right? I think so, yeah, three. Three times. Um, where do I rank on your friends list, man? My top 20? Hey, do you, you have know, 20 friends? Were, are you are you old enough to know MySpace? <laughs> yes. Hey, you know what? I'd say if uh, I think I had a classic eight back in the day, uh, I'd put you in my top eight. No kidding. <laughs> no, is that just because like you don't have a lot of friends? You know, as you get older, uh, I'm 30. Circle gets smaller, and uh, you know the the reality yeah. is if we if we connect every week for about a 30 minute show and you know maybe 15 minutes before after or both i mean man i hope some friends aren't listening to this but you know an hour a week <laughs> might be more than than i give to, to to many people other than my wife so i was thinking the exact same thing i people at work my wife and then you, in terms yeah. of people I talk to on a weekly basis. If and the I had a MySpace I and I put top friends in a MySpace, you'd be on there. I can assure you of it. And our it podcast is... would obviously be well, on yeah. there. No, absolutely. In fact, isn't it? I think, let me check it. I think MySpace is like for musics and podcasts. Maybe maybe that's what we're missing out on. We just need to start a MySpace for the podcast. I if my Is MySpace still up and going? I just went to myspace.com and it says discover featured music, videos, and people. I think we need to move our talents to MySpace. It's something we can definitely look at because if we could recreate that feeling, like get that nostalgia going, um, as we know, Michigan fans, you know, in love with history and, you know, feeling like, like we're back in the day, it, that could be something, you know, for this fan base. I think they'd be into it. And it's a bye week, so you know what a what a better time to just you know, no better time go no. move over like you know just over halfway through the season and you know try to bring it back. Yeah, of course. Uh, it, going into the bye, great time. Uh, you're you know seven games into a twelve game season, regular season. Talking about um, and and you get to feel good about yourself. Forty one seventeen win against Penn State. By the way. Um, I know we've both had some, uh, what should we call it, in uh, unideal viewing experiences. Inconvenient. <laughs> no, no, no. I said unide- not ideal. <laughs> I don't know if unideal is a word. Way, not ideal. Yeah. Not, our, watched, not like our preferred environments. No. No. I watched this game. This is my worst one yet. I watched this one. Uh first half from an Amtrak train going from Chicago to Milwaukee. And I would say I caught like at some points, half of the plays, like every other play, sometimes I'd miss what I, it feels like two or three plays. It was very sporadic. I feel like I didn't ever see more than two or three plays in a row before it would freeze and it, it was just awful. And then watched most of the third quarter in a car. Luckily, I wasn't driving, so I could just stare at my phone. But sort of the same deal uh, from Milwaukee to about 45 minutes away from there. 
and phones freezing, you know, we're not getting good enough service. This was just so stressful by far, like the worst viewing experience of a Michigan, forget football, like a Michigan sport I've ever had. It just, it was, it was terrible. It was stressful, but I thought you'd appreciate that given all the trouble we've had this season, just like sit down and watch a game. You know, we talked about, I think these circumstances, I don't remember if it was on air or, or off air, but, you know, I was kind of worried thinking of those circumstances early on that like, this could be one of those annoying pesty games where you're in and out of watching plays and having conversations and, and the game's not, you know, going all that well. Uh, when I talked about some experiences with that as well, you know, 2020 Michigan Penn state was that game for me. Uh, I think, yeah. I mean, I was at the game. Great environment, uh, but the the atmosphere when uh, the pick six after it bounced off about seven defenders happened, and yeah. all of a sudden Michigan finds themselves, you know, from up thirteen zero to to down fourteen to thirteen, right before taking a sixteen thirteen lead in the half. Like, I thought of you. I thought like I don't know where you're at at that that stage of your day, but what a horrible game to watch in a car on a phone when things just uh-huh. aren't going all that well but you know second half hopefully you know if you're able to car or not you know you could see kind of like that relief happen that moment where it's like hey they're in control and i think that's just the, the cool thing about this team so far is you can almost like have this sense of confidence coming out of halftime like okay they're gonna clean up whatever the mess was in the first half you can have the sense of confidence in the first drive Michigan has been very good at going out and starting games with a score, even though it was a field goal against Penn state um, to just go get points on your first drive in a game like this. You feel like that's really important. And then, yeah, in the second half, we saw it against Indiana. We saw it against Iowa. Um, it, it, it's really nice to be able to count on a team to go out for, for the last two quarters and even if in your, you're in a tight one or, you know, you're feeling uneasy about it to be like, you know what, they've done this before. They're, they're going to put something together. Like it's going to be a positive second half to this game. And you're not lying to yourself. You're not just trying to convince yourself that that's true. Like you really have something to believe in. So I a hundred percent agree there, especially given the way I was trying to watch this game. And actually uh, I was at one point, I gave up on the feed and I'm, I'm at the, I'm like on the ESPN play by play and like the game cast. And I see Penn state's got a fourth down and I'm like, Oh my God. And I'm, and it takes forever to upload. But then the next thing I see is Michigan has scored a touchdown. And I was like, I feel like I was like, surely it glitched. What does this mean? It took me forever to figure out what happened, but Yes, the like that swing right there, uh, that was the the bit of relief for me that we've just come to expect from this team in the second half. Did you see the the Mike Morris quote? No. Okay. Uh, why don't you keep talking about your thoughts of the game, and I'll I'll find it so you don't <laughs> okay. have this awkward pause because I, I want to actually read it. No, yeah, go uh, find it because it because it talks specifically about. Uh, that play, I believe. Okay, no, here I go. Folks, what is Penn State going to do about this Sean Clifford situation? 
you've got a sixth year player out there at quarterback. We talked about this the week before the game. This is supposed to be a positive for you. Going on the road, a top 10 game, you've got the experienced quarterback. You may be uh, at a disadvantage in terms of talent, but experience in this league is supposed to mean something. It did not mean anything for Sean Clifford and Penn State. Now, I think if you're James Franklin, if you're Penn State, if you're a fan out there, this has got to be what the heck is going on and, and when are we changing this thing? Drew Aller, 5 of 10, 37 yards. He got into the game. Does Penn State compete better with him? Frankly, probably not because it wasn't all quarterback play. Michigan ran the ball really well. I don't, you know, the quarterback's got nothing to do with that. But if you're not competing at the quarterback position in this league on the road in a top 10 game, you're not giving yourself a chance. Penn State right now not giving themselves a chance. How did I do, Derek? You got the quote? That was really good. I, I mean, I want to follow okay. up on that first. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I think when Drew Aller came into the game, uh, he was, you know, he's so tall. Uh, it was notable that he just kind of felt like that pocket passer with a future. Uh, and we kind of talked, you know, we've talked before. I think Sean Clifford is in, in many different ways, you know, very similar to, to Cade McNamara and, and people may be calling for the young guy and a JJ McCarthy, uh, you know, for Penn state next year, Sean Clifford's not around, you know, Aller's the guy, but there's people yeah. that want him there this year. And it's almost like a, a young Brandon Peters where it's like, it can't get worse than that performance, throw him out there. And, and James Franklin says he's hurt or Sean Clifford, you know, had a little bit of an injury. Uh, I think that was Aller's time to go in anyway. I don't think you'll see, uh, him, you know, start this year, but you might see him, you know, sprinkled in a little bit. But it it really does look like Penn State is in dire need of exactly what you said: a quarterback that can go out and perform on the road. And young Aller probably not going to make a difference in this game. Michigan was just the more prepared uh, team that executed a lot better. You know, just demolished Penn State on the ground. Uh, you know, a performance you don't get to see that often, but when you do, it's just, you know, it's the, it's the coolest thing to see. Uh, yeah. Jim Harbaugh has found his running game. He's got two very capable backs. You know, the backup, not even in the Heisman conversation, that on less carries outperformed the Heisman candidate. That's true. Uh, so, yeah, I think, and, and what a perfect time to, you know, I find this quote and, and talk about the running game. This is probably... Uh, one of my favorite quotes uh, in Michigan football history. Okay. Uh, it's, it's a little long, but just bear with me. Says, no, yeah, definitely. Here's Mike Morris. Uh, we got the fourth down stop, you know, the stop you're talking about, right? When you uh, don't know what's happening, why is it taking uh -huh. so long to update? Boom score. He says, I'm walking out the field, taking my helmet up, asking for water. I look up at the scoreboard and see Blake breaking one loose. I'm happy for them, but I'm looking at two and seven, and I'm like, Bro, y'all got to at least let us get a little bit of a break. I'm like, I love y'all. Good job. Our backs are crazy. But, you know, he needs a break. Because yeah. when, when, when Blake Corum <laughs> does score like that, uh, the defense is trotting right back out there. And I think, you know, just reminded me of that quote when you said, you know, looking for that update and then the score changes. Like, and in person, too, you know, there was that big run. Donovan Edwards, you know, place was electric. Uh a little bit of controversy on the on the on the fourth down stop, you know, 
and and I guess not controversy, just like, you know, Penn State had a couple of positive plays that drive. Uh, still ends up in them uh, with them going for it for fourth down. And then, yeah, you know, next play, uh, 7.33 on the clock at the time. Uh, it's just Blake Corum running away from everybody. It's like almost one of those things in the stadium you almost miss because, you, you know, are they going to go to the media timeout? Like, what's going to happen? You sit down, boom, he's, he's off and running. So, uh, yeah, uh, I guess another good quote uh, when McCarthy was kind of rephrasing what Jim Harbaugh said. I just love that he said uh, it was a butt kicking in every way which a butt could be kicked. Um, I did gotta, see that. I like gotta that. Gotta love, gotta love that comment. You know, not directly from Harbaugh, but McCarthy not afraid to to publicly say that, you know, and imply that it was Harbaugh's words. So, uh, and that's what it was. And that's what it felt like, uh, no matter if you watched it in person in Michigan Stadium or you watched it, you know, in in, in a car. Uh, it was a butt kicking and I, and I think a, a great game to beat the number team, 10 team in the nation. So uh, looking back at the beginning of the season, the things we said, the things we expected, do you feel like we're there or do you feel like we missed? Uh, so the only miss I can think of is your swing and miss with Iowa. Uh, but I'm pretty sure at this point, uh, preseason, I think we had them, you know, seven and oh, both of us maybe going into Michigan State. So I'd say the only thing that, sticks out for me is and again you you don't know where Penn State's going to be at and still you know you have to have a whole season pass before you determine how good or or what kind of team they actually ended up being Uh, but if they stay ranked you know this is a going to continue to be a really impressive win as the season goes on and I guess I'd be surprised if you know, I think Michigan was going to be good. I think I picked him to win every game, but Ohio State, I believe you did the same thing. But 41 to, to 17, and in a game that was probably a bigger gap than that in all reality, uh, not shocking to me, but I think maybe ahead of schedule of where I thought they'd be. No, I agree. I think that's a good summarization of the first seven games. I have my notes from preseason when we were going through game by game and, and trying to pick them and, and yeah, seven to oh, pretty sure we both had that, even though week before Iowa, I wasn't feeling it. So I did, you know, week before pick, Iowa to win that game preseason. I picked Michigan and I wrote these little notes here, Colorado state, the same thing for Hawaii and UConn win feels like a blowout. The, that pretty much lived up to the expectation there. Um, most impressed here by my pick with Maryland preseason. I said, win feels exciting to a tug of Iloa as a hothead. Uh, what was that score? 34, 27, right. Uh, maybe not exciting in the classical sense of the word for us, but that was a f- fun football game. Iowa. Yeah. I said, win. And I missed here. I said, it feels like a repeat of the big 10 title game at, at it was not, but it also you know, wasn't necessarily like, a, uh, oh, crap, are they going to blow this game? Even though Iowa did come back, it just never felt real. Indiana, I said, when? Yep, feels like Indiana's back to being Indiana, but not as exciting. I think that's a great way to summarize this Hoosier team this year. Penn State, I said, when? Because it feels like Penn State isn't that team. And I noted that Sean Clifford is back. <laughs> So I got to say, Derek, through seven games, 
I I think I pricked I picked them pretty good, you know, before we even saw this team on the field. Yeah, I think, you know, as close as you can be, I think we both thought Maryland would kind of serve as a trap game per se. Uh, you know, always worried about uh, Iowa on the road, but both of us less worried because of what happened in the Big Ten Championship and because Iowa wasn't returning all that. And that, that too is definitely a game that the score is closer than the actual game was. Yeah. It's not like Michigan came out and, and blew the doors off them early, but Iowa didn't score until the fourth quarter. Uh, and that's a, a quarter that Michigan, you know, uh, had a big Blake Quorum run to, to cap off uh, the game as well. So, you know, the moment they get close, uh, you know, Michigan takes care of business. It's almost like they let the foot off the gas, but, you know, Iowa maybe just played hard enough to, to feel like they were in it. But early on, it really seemed like, you know, this team has not scored in three quarters, like though it's not as dominant as the the forty two they put up in the Big Ten championship. Uh, it's you know Iowa was not going to win that game more than likely. Uh, yeah, but no, and, and I think Penn State too. You know, we talked about Sean Clifford, uh, and and is that you know is that good for Penn State? Uh, I hate to rip on Penn State and Sean Clifford, though I don't feel bad after all the James Franklin tunnel. Uh, I think, you know, uh, turning into a program you dislike more and more and more, and maybe he's trying to, you know, really latch on to to a rivalry because they don't have one in the Big Ten. But just a whiner. Uh, If he's worried about the tunnel, uh, maybe he needs to go elsewhere because he's got a team to worry about that just Uh got completely annihilated. Uh, You know, it's not the only time that's happened in the Big House. So I don't think a, a tunnel change or a separate tunnel on the other side, you know, he's just disappointed because they're only going to improve the scoreboard next year. He wants his own tunnel for when they come back in two years. Uh, not going to help the outcome. I'm sorry to tell you that, James. Probably not, no. Um, I feel like the other thing that we spent a little time on preseason and, and in sort of the first few weeks is Blake Corum potentially being like a Heisman candidate, somebody you talk about in that conversation. I didn't see the buzz as much as I thought I would, I mean, he was putting up gaudy numbers, but I think we all kind of recognized, you know, the competition Michigan was playing, but the fact that he's still doing it, like he's putting up numbers in big time games. Um, he's putting teams away. Like he's, he's a closer truly is. And, you know, as, as much as you can have one on a football field, like he is a closer. And I think um, I've seen him, shoot fourth or fifth in a Heisman straw poll. I mean, that's the kind of thing that I thought was possible, but you also think, you know, he's a running back and you you really have to shine at that position. If you're going to be in the Heisman conversation, but here we are seven games into the season and it looks for real. Is it something that you think through the the back half of the season that can continue? Yeah, I mean, he's had a lot of carries, and so durability is always a question mark. He dealt with some injury last year, and so with the stats I'll share, you know, keep that in mind. He did miss some time, but he's already, uh, you know, if he's not over 1,000 yards by Michigan State, you know, and they could stop the run. I don't want to jinx Blake Corum or, or, you know, say that he has to have a 100-yard game. Uh, He did not have one against uh, UConn. It didn't matter. Obviously, obviously didn't play all that much, but. Coming off of 166, you know, he's been over 120 for the the two road games, had the huge game uh, against Maryland. 
Uh, this is a dude that's, you know, he's carried the ball more than last year already, you know, a little bit light on the yards uh, just because of all or yards per carry, just because of all of those uh, attempts, but still averaging, you know, 6.2 a carry, 901 yards. You know, he could easily go for 100 against Michigan State uh, and be a thousand yard back. Uh, I think what he's doing is sustainable. Uh, and I think he'll be able to be as productive uh, with that 6.1 uh, with less carries. You know, I think the the most important thing in this this stretch, uh, and Michigan has spent time without Donovan Edwards as well, uh, but yeah. I think the most important thing in this stretch is, is getting Donovan Edwards uh, as many reps as you can. You know, I think Mike Hart will run. Uh, and good to see him back, by the way, after that. Right. What happened with him? But uh, Blake Horan will carry the ball forty times if that's what it takes for Michigan to win. But if Donovan Edwards can average ten point eight yards a carry, one hundred seventy three yards a career high on sixteen <laughs> attempts, uh, yeah, you'll you'll give Donovan Edwards the, the rock a couple of times too. Uh, he's well surpassed what he did uh, last year, seven games into the season. So I think you have you know lightning and lightning as they call it. Uh, you have a, a crazy duo, and I think as long as Michigan keeps winning and Blake Corum continues to be that lead back with the bulk of the carries and touchdowns, I think he'll easily keep himself in the in the running for the for the Heisman. But tough to win when you've got you know quarterbacks that win it most years, and and just the quarterbacks specifically that you have with with Tennessee and Ohio State this year. Yeah, I guess a side question to that. Speaking purely just of chances to win the Heisman, do you? Th- think Donovan Edwards gets involved enough that he uh, chips away a little bit at just what people see of, of Blake Corum. You know, if he's going to go for a hundred again for 173 uh, and a couple of touchdowns possibly, but uh, again, it's a quarterback's award to win. Uh, so when Donovan Edwards plays well, it helps Michigan. And, and that's even what Blake Corum cares about. He was on uh, Jalen and Jacoby and, uh, yeah, basically saying, like, if at the end of the year I'm, I'm in New York, then awesome. But, you know, he, he really truly does care about running this thing back. You know, he was he was one of those guys with Donovan Edwards, with J.J. McCarthy and others who was watching that Georgia celebration. Yeah. Uh, and I think more than anything, these guys legitimately want to compete for a championship. So, and, and why that's important, especially for a running back. Uh, if you're not competing for a championship, you're not in the Heisman race as a running back. Oh, no. Uh, and so, yeah, you, you kind of automatically put team first naturally because you, you need to win games to continue to be in the conversation. But, hey, I think he'll give up uh, you know, being in the top five finalists if it means that a young guy like Donovan Edwards is, is helping Michigan uh, you know, dominate teams, including uh, you know, having a successful run game. State. Yeah. Um, last thing I think we need to talk about JJ McCarthy. Um, he's thrown the ball 144 times this year. He's getting nine yards per attempt. He's at just shy of uh, 1,300 yards on the season, nine touchdowns, two interceptions. Maybe the most important stat here is his 77.1 uh, completion percentage, quarterback rating of 170.6. Like, in a way, it's what we expected, but I will say in a way it's not because I was I was of the mind that like when Michigan moved on from Cade McNamara to J.J. McCarthy, that was opening up another part of the playbook. 
And maybe that was naive on my part to think that because it doesn't look much different at all. Like the difference is purely just in the skill set. Um, the throw JJ McCarthy made against Penn State on the run, I mean, that was what, 30, 35 yards on a rope going to the sideline. That's the throw he makes. And, and Cade McNamara, he probably throws a completion, but it's probably not down the field. You know what I mean? That's the sort of thing that separates them. It's not what Michigan does offensively. Like, they're, it's a, a very strong run identity, take care of the football, make easy reads. That's a big part of why his completion percentage is so high um, because the offense is fairly simplified um or i know it's i know it's not simple but it, they're not asking him to to take shots down the field and they're not asking him to stand in the pocket forever and and go through a uh, big long progression things are moving pretty quickly and i, I guess with jj mccarthy being where he is in the season i'm totally impressed even even if i had like different expectations i think this is exactly the kind of thing uh that that we figured would come even if it even if it looks a little different than we might have thought having a completely steady hand out there and sometimes electric playmaker that's all the stuff that we figured would happen yeah you said simple and and not to you know dumb down the the michigan offense but i do think they're keeping it relatively simple you know there was a a article that talked in, in joel Klatt talking about how uh, predictable Michigan was you know they washed that away in their first couple of plays out of those sets so I think that you probably haven't seen everything you will see uh, I think Indiana showed that on the road uh, he can throw you know 35 times and still keep uh, you know a high 70 completion rating and and again he doesn't need to throw downfield and, and that helps that completion percentage but you know that's his first uh, 300 yard game uh, and definitely will not be his last you know you try to look at stats um, you know he didn't play in game one very much and, and really rarely threw the ball in game one because that was Cade uh, McNamara's game to start uh, but I think you'll see I'm curious to see against a Michigan State whose secondary is so bad and, and, and their philosophy is absolutely going to be throw the ball downfield that's how they beat Wisconsin in overtime uh, and so something to look out for that we'll talk about next week because they do have a you know a solid quarterback and good receivers. Uh, the separation that the receivers are getting are not great, but you know again, and you shared stat lines from Ohio State and, and Penn State, very similar for the quarterbacks. Like when you're running for 400 yards, you really don't want to have to ask him to do anything because he literally just doesn't need to. I mean, this was a more comfortable win than than I would say at Indiana because that. You know, the first half was odd for both, but that that vibe when Mike Hart went down at Indiana on the road just really felt like, are they going to recover from this? Mm-hmm. And like we said, you know, their third quarter, you know, second half ability has been, you know, outstanding. So I think we'll see another big game where maybe we'll notice, you know, the the playbook looking different. You know, it's not like he's not going to hit a downfield shot. He was hitting downfield shots in limited time last year. Uh, but if that completion percentage stays up, that interception rate stays down, you know, it's two weeks in a row he's had one. Uh, you know, both of them have bounced off of a guy into the opponent's arms. He's had a couple of throws that could have been picked. He had a kind of a wonky flail it up there and it lands in Blake Corum's hands. You know, he's going to make his mistakes. He's going to try to do a little bit too much. And 
I think Jim Harbaugh knows he still has a young quarterback and uh, you know, trying to keep it simple for him, uh, especially when you can rely on the running. Did you see Harbaugh's face, by the way, when he threw that uh, pass to Blake? Marl? I did. I did. kind of like, and it, I, like yes, Joel Class comment was like, uh, Harbaugh's like, okay, whatever. And it, that was not his face. No. All. It's like, this is going to be the first thing I say when I go to the locker room. Like, not, yes. we're not doing that. Yes. Uh, and so that's where I, you know, I'm not saying he's got handcuffs on. Uh, he's uh, he's obviously able to scramble and have as much fun as he likes to have out there. But yeah, I think uh, they're trying to keep that limited. Uh, and, you know, the, the way they're running successfully, uh, again, they, they showed last year, you don't need to beat teams with a quarterback uh, when you're running the well, as well as you are. Uh, but I think we'll see some games where we'll see a little bit more out of the quarterback than we've seen in recent seasons, uh, especially with the schedule, the way it's lining up before Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, last thing here quickly, I guess. Uh, do you feel like Michigan's on track to run the table here up to Ohio State and then you duke it out for the right to play in the Big Ten Championship? Hey, it's still college football. Anything can still happen. You still got some opponents that, you know, could be uh, like in Illinois that could be a little scarier than you anticipated. Yes. Uh, you don't want to look ahead to an Ohio State. You, you never feel comfortable against Michigan State and Mel Tucker, especially when he's 2-0 and against you. Uh, but yeah. the way they're playing, the way they respond at half, uh, and just the talent they have, even if it feels like they still haven't fully utilized some of it, uh, like at the wide receiver position, uh, yeah, I think they can – they can definitely take care of business. And I think I'll go as far as saying, you know, I, I think it's still a loss at the end of the season. Uh, but I think they've done enough in seven games to make me feel like they're able to compete. Uh, the reason I say that, at least thus far, uh, the best offense, Ohio State's face, Akron. Uh, and that was <laughs> not a, that, you know, that was a Ohio State reporter who said that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's some unknowns about Ohio State's defense. The narrative's kind of shifted to who have they played. Took it off Michigan. It's finally a win where, you know, I don't see the excuses yet that Penn State's not deservedly a, a number 10 team. Uh, but it feels a little bit more like, you know, I feel like we always joke like, oh, they're they're only a ranked team uh, until Michigan dominates and people question if that team was ever any good. That's happened yeah. in some years for sure. Uh, that was Washington last year. That was ranked to start the season. Uh, but, yeah, no, people are, are kind of taking note of that performance, and, and I think it was a, a serious one that shows that they're ready to compete. Yeah. Uh, Michigan on a bye, coming back against Michigan State, then 7.30 kickoff, ABC primetime on the 29th. I can't wait for that one. That one's going to be so excited. Like you said, Mel Tucker 2-0 and against Jim Harbaugh. Like, as, as much as you look forward to Ohio State, uh, this is this is right up there in my mind anyway, just right below Ohio State, as close as you can get because uh, Mel Tucker, it really feels like he should not be two and zero against Michigan. It should be probably one and one at best, uh, uh, counting twenty twenty, where both teams were just really bad. But we'll get back uh, at some point, talk about that game. Look forward to the rest of the season. Until then, take care and go blue.